We're throwing off the filters of tradition and culture to discover what the Bible really says about relationships. Relationships with God, with ourselves, and with others. Welcome to this episode of Relationship Truth Unfiltered. Welcome. I hope you had a wonderful Labor Day weekend and you're ready to welcome the fall weather. Break out a pumpkin spice latte and enjoy part two of our Ask Leslie episode where she answers your questions about speaking up in an emotionally destructive marriage. I know that a lot of times when you stay calm, they can more easily see their own sin if they're reacting and everything else. But I had a lady that asked us, if we just train ourselves to manage our reactivity, even though it might help in the moment, how does that work to solve the underlying problem if he doesn't change his behavior? And does this help to enable him to continue because now there's a restrained reaction? Well, it depends on what he's doing. So if he's, um, I think there's an appropriate reaction. Um, So when we talk about reactivity, we're talking about um, reactivity that escalates a situation. Um, Sometimes saying, ouch, that hurt is an appropriate reaction or saying, stop, don't. I don't like that is an appropriate reaction. It's not an escalated reaction. So we don't just go silent and numb to be non-reactive. It's that we don't react in a inappropriate, escalating, putting fuel on the fire way, right? That's going to harm them, harm us and harm the situation. So I think that's what we talk about when we get reactive is that we're just we're escalating the situation. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 15, one, for example, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up strife. So we've all been in a conversation with someone from the credit card company or from the delivery service that didn't show up when they said they would, or the airlines for your canceled reservations or whatever it is where you're upset, you're escalated, you're angry, right? Oh, and you're talking. <laughs> yeah, I've been there too. Yeah. And you're talking to this person in a rude angry, hostile way, like, you know, whatever. And the person on the other end is so kind and so um, empathetic. I'm so sorry, Mrs. Vernick, that your trip got canceled. I know this is an important time. Let me see what I can do to help you. It's like, it makes you feel like an idiot on the phone. A jerk, right? yeah. A jerk, because their gentle answer turned away your wrath and you began to get a grip on yourself. But all of us have been in situations where we're with a clerk who escalates it back. How dare you talk to me this way? Who do you think you are? And I was like, oh, <laughs> you're yeah. just about ready to it's not going to be good. down through oh, the yeah. phone, right? Yeah. Or, well, if you had booked earlier, this wouldn't happen. You know, blame you or criticize you or whatever. You're just going to, it's like throwing gas on a fire. It just, so by not reacting to someone's reaction, you can be an instrument to help them reflect, whoa, I'm overreacting. When you react, then they look at you. We've done this with our kids. I remember specifically, Julie, when my son was, he was being a brat, you know, 15 years old, 16 years old, talking back to me. And I was, I just flipped out at him. I'm right there. Yeah. And he said, and you're the Christian counselor. Oh, he did not. He did. (laughs) So what he really was saying is, I can't even look at myself. I'm too busy looking at your sin. How did you respond to that, Leslie? You know what? I had the presence of mind and saying, you know what? You're right. And I know better. And I need a time out. 
right? And so I left the situation, but I learned that it's a very manipulative thing. When you react, all they have eyes for is your sin. And I wrote that book, How to Act Right When Your Spouse Acts Wrong, out of some of those interactions where when I did respond rightly, hey, I don't like the way you're talking to me right now, so I'm not continuing this conversation. So I reacted in an appropriate way. I didn't not react, but I didn't react in an emotional shaming way like I had before. I don't like the way you're talking to me. It's disrespectful. And I'll listen to what you have to say, but not in this way. And well, I, and I think and too, away. yeah, I think that just because you're calm doesn't mean that you are without consequences or boundaries. So you right. can calmly say, I'm calling the police. Right. You don't have to yell and scream, but there can still be a consequences. You can say calmly, I don't feel safe here with you. I'm taking the kids and leaving. And you don't have to be freaking out screaming, right. but you can still so, calmly state consequences. So when you don't react, it actually helps you to think better. It helps you to plan better. It helps you to be more creative is not the best word, but, but it helps you to create a different outcome. Then it would happen if you just lost your mind in reacting and lost your emotions in reacting, right? So when you don't react, and you're able to calm yourself down, it's not that you don't respond. It's not that you don't think. It's not that you don't take action or have boundaries, like you said, or consequences. It's that you're not adding more fuel to the fire. You're just taking care of you in the best way you can. It's sort of like, I take a walk every day, Julie, and, and there's bears where I live in the, in the in Prescott. And so one man got eaten by a bear this summer. So oh I take gosh. a bit- yeah. So I take a big old long stick and I don't walk in the woods, but I do walk near the woods. And so um, I take a big old long stick with me and I have a alarm that I could pull. And so I am planning for how I might respond if I saw a bear. So if I didn't plan for that and I just reacted, I probably would either run, which is the worst thing you can do because they will chase you, or I would just freeze and curl into a ball, right? Which is more likely to be hurt as well. So if, if I pull my alarm and I wave my stick and act like a big you know, bully, the bear is usually gonna run from you. But I have, so it's not like I'm not responding. I'm thinking about how I wanna respond That's so good. that I stay in the safest place possible and I don't get eaten by a bear while I'm taking my daily walk um, and, and in the same way. So this person who's asking this question, of course, you you do yourself well and you do your littles well in your home who are watching what's happening if you can learn to not react in a negative way, but you still have to respond in an appropriate way. Very good. Another question. With accepting who my husband really is, do I check his phone and computer for porn? He offers his devices to me saying, go ahead, I'm not doing it anymore. But it's been 25 years of on and off porn usage by him with deception. I'm accepting who he is and I'm working on myself now, not on him. But does this mean I tell him when I'm not happy or keep telling him how badly he has hurt me? How much do I share or not share? I find it very confusing. So I'm curious when you say I know who he is. So is he, I mean, I'm not sure what that means. Like, is he? I'm guessing that he's a porn yeah. watcher. He's a porn watcher, but he's not that anymore. So when Paul says in the in Ephesians, he says, thieves steal no more. He calls them thieves because that's what they do. But then he says, you know, he's in, in, in 1 Corinthians says, you were once this, you were once adulterers, you 
you were once thieves, you were once, you know, haters of God, you were once homosexuals, you were once all, the, but now you're different. And so I don't know what you mean by, I know who he is. If that's who he is and you don't want to be with him, why are you still there? Is the question I would ask. I think um, maybe his, he's broken her trust in the past because she's deceived him or he's deceived her mm-hmm. by porn usage. Does she believe him now? Should she check on his phones or should she not? Well, it's not a should it's if, if he's saying, and I don't know what he's saying, but if he's saying, Hey, I'm not that anymore. I was that. And I see where you don't trust me. If it would be helpful for you to look on my phone, do go, go for it, do it. What can I do to rebuild your trust? So I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. What can I do to rebuild your trust? Can you, you want to check my phone? You want to check my computer? Here's my passwords. I'm not that anymore. However, I can help you see that, know that, believe that I'm all in to help you do that so that you don't feel scared of my past behavior and it's not impacting our current life. So she has to decide what she needs to do to trust him again, to rebuild that broken trust. If he's offering to do those things and she's needing to reassure herself that yes, okay, wow, that, yeah, I don't see any texts. I don't see anything. I've checked history. I've done what I can do to, you know, check up on his old ways. And he seems to be telling me the truth. Then she can decide whether she wants to forgive him and now rebuild their relationship in terms of a better marriage than they had before. What it sounds like by her question, though, is that she's not sure she can ever do that. Like her trust has been so shattered by his deviousness or his porn use or whatever he was doing that she doesn't matter what he does, that she's just not sure that she can ever fully trust him again. And she wants to always be able to tell him how much he hurt her, which is fine, but maybe not for the rest of your marriage. Who wants to live in the past sin? Yeah. Right. So, so again, I think this is where you have your own work to do as a victim of abuse, of a victim of porn, a victim of someone who's harmed you. Do you want to live in, I'm the victim and I have a right to be hurt the rest of my life. And that's who I am. Or do I say I'm a victim and I was hurt? What do I need to do to heal? So I don't have to live in the pain of that the rest of my life, right? The same as if you were hit by a bus or a drunk driver. Yes, horrible. And you're in intensive care. But who's responsible for your healing? Not the bus driver. (laughs) Even if the bus driver pays for your healing, he can't make you heal. You have to do the hard physical therapy. You're the one who's in intensive care. You're the one who has to go for all the work to regain your muscle strength and all of that. And so I think sometimes we live in victim story the rest of our life after we've been victimized by a treacherous husband by a deceitful spouse by a abusive situation that that's who we are now she said i know who you are but i would challenge this woman who are you now who are you and if your husband hasn't shown adequate empathy and support for the pain he's caused i think you can say to him i don't really feel you understand the impact that this caused me and what what do we need to do to help him understand that does he want to understand that but sooner or later whether he understands it or not do you understand the impact and are you willing to get well jesus asked the man who was paralyzed for 38 years a very interesting question he said do you want to get well why would he ask him that question wow 
And I think it's sometimes because there's a payoff. There's a payoff for being able to be the victim to helplessness, to blaming everybody else for how my life is going. And so I think there's two issues here. One is, is your husband really working to rebuild your trust and giving you these things to say, this is what I'm doing to show you I am clean now. And whether that's true or not, I'm not going to comment because sometimes people can hide computer stuff and all that. So I'm not. But the second question is, what am I doing to get over this pain, to get through this pain? It's not like it ever goes away, but it's not ruling my life anymore. And what am I doing to heal and to grow, even if I can't ever trust him again? Like if I were sexually abused by someone I knew, I might not ever want to be alone in a room with them again, Yeah, but I don't want to feel like afraid of life just because this happened to me. I want to get well. I want to get healthy. And so what do you need to do to get healthy and whole again? And second, whether you can trust this man and stay married in a trusting relationship, or it's better to call it what it is and that he killed the marriage and that you can't trust him and you can't live with him there. That's really good. That's sometimes the consequences. That's sometimes the consequences of serious sin. So please don't hear me say that's a, a fault of yours. If you know a drunk driver may kill a kid while they're drinking and be truly remorseful and truly repentant, and that doesn't bring that child back to life. So sometimes sin has serious consequences, and what your husband did may have killed your marriage. Um, he didn't kill you. You're still alive. You can heal, but it may have killed your marriage. And maybe as you heal, you can forgive him and rebuild trust, or maybe not. I don't know. That's not for me to tell you what to do or judge. But I am saying that this person that's writing in here, you're allowing the pain to get gangrenous. And I think you are telling yourself you need him to do something in order for you to be okay. And it'd be wonderful if he showed support and validated your pain and, you know, ate grasshoppers because he caused you so much pain or whatever it might be that he could do to show you i'm sorry but ultimately your healing is your journey again if someone hits me with a car and i'm in intensive care they can come to my intensive care hospital room and say i am so sorry and i never meant to hit you and i will never drink again and i can say good but i'm still in the hospital and i'm still the one who has to get well right yeah yeah exactly what if there was a biblical way to love a destructive person without enabling him to destroy you? Leslie's Walking in Core Strength program is specifically designed to help you think for yourself. Core Strength will teach you to identify beliefs you have that keep you stuck. Core Strength will help you get honest and stop pretending that things are fine when they're really not. And Core Strength will empower you to understand what you are and what you're not responsible for. You can't make him get it, but there's plenty you can do for yourself. This small group coaching opportunity will show you how. It's open now for a short time. Go to lesliewernick.com forward slash strength to sign up. Another question. How do I respond to my husband when he swears at me and insists on fighting in front of the kids when I've asked him to stop? So to fight in front of the kids takes two people. So I would say that the person who needs to stop is you, right? You cannot fight in front of the kids unless you're participating. So I would 
you can't control him. You can only control you. And if you believe that fighting in front of the kids is bad, what stops you from saying, I refuse to fight in front of the kids. Don't fight in front of the kids. You can't fight in front of the kids. I don't want you to fight in front of, what if you just said, I'm not fighting in front of the kids. What if he follows you around the house? You just don't respond. You don't fight in front of the kids. You say, I'm not having this conversation. I'm not having this conversation in front of the kids. So they're hearing it, that mom's not fighting. Mom's saying she's not fighting with dad. So even if it doesn't affect your husband or help your marriage at all, it will help your kiddos. That's good. So you you just say out loud, hey, I told you I'm not fighting in front of the children. That's not good for them. I'm not fighting in front of the children. I'm not doing this. Keep walking away. He's provoking you. He's provoking you. I'm not fighting in front of the kids. And you have to control yourself so that you don't go there. Because as soon as you go there, your kids are going to say, you're just as bad as dad. Why are you doing? You're just adding fuel to the fire. And you become the lightning rod of their angst. Because oftentimes, if your husband's an abusive person, you're the safer person for them to take out all that anger. Don't let it be you. That's true. Don't let it be you. You just need to stay strong. I'm not, if you want to have a conversation, we can go to McDonald's. We can go for a walk. We can sit in the car if you feel safe to do that. But I am not having this conversation like this in front of the children and just say those words out loud and let your children hear it. It's so interesting how much more control they seem to have in a public place, isn't it? Yeah. And so having that conversation, if this is really important to you, I'm happy to drive to McDonald's and meet you there. We can have it there. But so, especially if they escalate and you feel afraid and danger and of danger, have a conversation in a public place. Very good. We got several other questions, Leslie, that are kind of go along the same theme, um, kind of a fear of talking out. So every time I open my mouth, he criticizes me um, or maybe he can't take criticism or I get paralyzed when my mind goes blank. I don't know what to say. What do you do with some of these uh, speaking up issues? Mm-hmm. I think I think to focus on your own work to do is the, the best place to start. It doesn't fix the relationship, but it doesn't waste the pain of what's going on. So sometimes we think, oh, if only he would change. Like just this last question that we answered, this woman has some work to learn. How do I stay in core strength? How do I stay self-controlled when I'm being provoked? How do I be a good witness in front of my children when I'm being tempted to sin? Those are all really good things that she's going to learn as she practices her side of the street. It's not going to fix their marriage, but it is going to help her grow. So I think if we can remember that there's always things that we have to learn, even though it's not fair, even though the other person's more wrong than we are, or we're not wrong at all, but they're wrong. And there's things that we can learn. And so in some of these things, first of all, how do I manage my anxiety when someone is yelling at me? What do I do? How do I speak up for myself when I know they're not going to like it? So I've been a people pleaser. I've been an approval junkie. I want you to like me. I want you to approve what I say. I need you to agree with me in order for me to be okay. Therefore, I'm terrified of disagreeing with you. I'm terrified of speaking up for myself because you might not like myself and I have to do what you want in order for you to like me. So it exposes a lot of our idolatry. I need you to love me. I need you to 
think highly of me in order for me to be okay. And, and those are things that God wants us to work on because he says that those who cling to worthless idols in Jonah, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that can be theirs. And we think, well, there's nothing wrong with me wanting my husband to love me. Of course not. But if you need that with a big old capital N-E-E-D in order for you to be okay, then what you're depending on is your husband, not God, for your well-being. And God says that's idolatry. And so I think there's lots of lessons to be learned with lots of these, you know, stuck places. I, you know, so every time I try to have a conversation with him, he, you know, criticizes me or he shuts me out. Well, that, what's that going to teach you? That's going to teach you don't have the marriage you want. That teaches you don't have the husband you want. It teaches you that you're not a person that he respects or values. Those are hard lessons. It's like learning, learning you have cancer. It's nothing anybody wants to face. But if you don't face the truth, then you don't know what the next step is. It's only when you face the truth, I have cancer. Are you willing to go for chemo, right? So only when you face the truth, wow, he doesn't care a bit about what I think or what I say or how I feel or what I want. It's only about what he wants. It's I'm here to serve him. I'm just an object. He doesn't, I don't matter to him. The person, when you come to that wake up call, the person who you have to matter to is you. Right. So that you don't keep letting yourself be treated. That's this so way. good. Yeah. Right. So that's the lesson. Oh my gosh. I've allowed myself to be treated like an object. I've allowed myself to think that this is noble. This is a noble sacrifice for me to do this. When in fact, it's just feeding the selfish monster in him. So these are hard, horrible, but beautiful wake up calls for us to learn the lessons that we may have to learn in order to grow to the next level that God has for us. Even if your marriage doesn't grow, even if your husband doesn't grow, you can still grow. And God wants you to grow. It is his will for you to mature and live a holy life. The other end of it is if I freeze and I don't know what to say, well, that's also a, an opportunity for you to say, hmm, what is it that you know makes me so afraid of thinking for myself, of having my own thoughts, of speaking up for myself? Is it him? Is it me? Is it my stuff from the past? Like I was always criticized. I never said it right. So I, I have never, you know, it sounds real easy that I can say things off the top of my head here, but I still, if I had to have a hard conversation with someone, I still get, uh, I get nervous about that, especially if it's a real hard conversation. Um, and so I practice it. I write out what I want to say so that I can really yeah. be clear because if I just blurt out my first thoughts, it's usually critical, right? It's usually critical or it can sometimes be harsh. It can sometimes be um, shaming. So I have to think about what I want to say and how I want to say it um, if I'm in, my, in a, my best place, right? And so I will write it out and then I'll say it out loud and see if it's really what I want to say and how I want to say it. And if not, I, I fix it. So don't be mad at yourself that you have to do that work. A lot of us have to do that work. I've had to do that work. Lots of people do that work of thinking about what they want to say, rehearsing what they want to say, uh, planning what they want to say, revising what they want to say. Um, and, and maybe for you right now, the best way to do that would be in writing to someone. I actually so do that. I uh, When I get angry, and I want to vomit all over somebody. Uh, I used to do that, but I don't anymore. But I will go to my computer and I will write out every horrible thing I'm thinking. And what mm -hmm. I don't send it, though. I just have yeah. it there. And mm -hmm. then I will wait until I've calmed down. It can be several days even. And maybe I decide not to say anything and just deal with it internally. Or 
I obviously revise it into a much more practical and good conversation. But what if you write it all out and it's as beautiful as it can be, cherry on top, and they still can't handle any form of criticism, no matter how nicely it's said. Yeah. Well, then you know that you're married to a very immature, defensive, shame-bound person, right? So that everything that's criticized, so they're not able to look at themselves. Let's let's just let's just picture that you look in the mirror, or let's picture that you step on the scale. So that's giving you some feedback. Like I stepped on the scale recently and it gave me feedback. Like, oh my gosh, I've been having way too much ice cream this year. <laughs> I know, me too, me too. Yeah. It was that, a long oh vacation. My gosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like I, I have put on five pounds that I didn't even notice in my oh, clothes. Only but, five, yeah. huh? Okay. Yeah. Well. So I'm like, oh, you know, so so that's the truth that's giving me something I don't want to see, right? You're getting fatter, you're gaining weight, or you're getting old, or you look awful in the mirror, whatever it is, it's not, it's not fun. It's not fun. And how you handle that says something about you, right? So whether you handle that truth with grace and receiving it, and wow, I need to stop eating ice cream every night, and I need to make some self-corrections, and I need to accept that I'm getting older. It's not going to go away. It's just going to keep getting worse, or or I have to accept that I have breast cancer. I don't like it, but I have it, and now I've got to go for chemo, and now I went for chemo, and I found out that it didn't really work, and now I've got to do something else. I got to, you know, so this is life. This is life, but if your husband can't do that without collapsing into a heap of self-pity or shame attack or deflecting and blaming everybody else, then obviously he can't fix anything or grow because you won't step on the scale. You won't, you'll just ignore it, right? You won't, you're, you can get bigger pants and bigger belts and you still aren't facing the fact that you're gaining weight and that you're eating too much. You're not willing to look at yourself because it's too painful or it's too shameful to admit that I'm not perfect and I messed up and that I've done something wrong and that I've got to fix something. And when you have a partner who's directly telling you that, not just a mirror and not just a scale, but someone else in your life who's saying, looks like you're gaining weight. He's dead. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my husband doesn't say that either. My husband um, would not dare. Yeah, yeah, I know. But but you know what I'm saying? When we give our husband criticism, like, hey, you're not a good dad, or I don't like the way you're talking to me, or those kind of things. It takes a pretty mature person to hear that well. Very right? true. Yeah. It takes a pretty mature person to hear that well. So it shows you that they're immature and unable to handle that. So I think there's a different approach to begin to do that. And that would be the back door. And so the back door is, um, and there's different ways of going in the back door, but just being curious. Hey, I'm curious. If you could change anything in your life, what would you want to change? So beginning to invite conversations where there's some self-reflection because they don't go there. They don't look deeper. They don't ask themselves those questions. They just live on the surface of life. It was two kinds of conversations, the news and superficial chit chat, right? So by, by asking them some deeper questions and inviting them to self-reflect, saying to them, do you believe that I love you? Do you believe I have your best interests? Do you believe that? Good question. Maybe, they do, maybe they don't. Yeah. And if they do to say, so when I when I come to you and say, I don't like the way you talk to the kids. I'm not saying that because I think you're a bad man. I'm saying that because I think 
you really have the potential to be a great dad and that your kids adore you and that I see that you love them. And I want you to show up as your best self as a dad. So that's more backdoor, right? It's really putting a lot of cushions around, around the bullet, a lot of cushions, right? Yeah. A lot of cushions around the bullet, <laughs> around the bullet. <laughs> right? so that it doesn't sting as hard. Um, and I think you can try that and see if, if they really are a good man who wants to be a good dad, who's just messing up, or they really are a good man who wants to be a better husband, who just doesn't know how, when you put a lot of cushions around it and you give a lot of, um, I have your back and I want the best for you kind of true heart love toward them, then they can usually receive that. If they're not a good man and there are people who are not, and some of you are married to them, they are not a good man. They are um, wicked and evil and they don't really care to be a good man. They just want to be in charge. They want to be right. They want to be on top and they want to win. And those are their highest aspirations. Then anything that you say will be considered a challenge and a reason to put you down because they want to win and they want to be right. And so because of that, they can't listen to anything that they would have to adjust because that would mean they lost and they're not right. And they can't bear that. And so those are the times when you have to recognize that this kind of person doesn't want to hear and will not listen. And they actually will get more aggressive, either sneaky in a way of undermining me or outwardly aggressive in terms of hurting me to shut me up. And you can't have a relationship with that kind of person. You might be married to them, but you can't have a true, honest, safe relationship with that person. Final question. And this is actually not about a marriage relationship, uh, but a mother-child one. She says, I am realizing lately that my mom still treats me like I'm a child. I am 32. For example, telling me what to do instead of providing advice like a sister in Christ. I want to confront her without sounding harsh. She has done this for so long. I don't think she sees anything wrong with it. She doesn't. Just assume she doesn't see anything wrong with it. She's just trying to be a good mom to you. So here's what you can say to her to give her the benefit of the doubt. And then, then when you give someone the benefit of the doubt, like even with your husband, if you say, I'm going to trust that he's a good man and really wants to be a good dad. And you say the things that I suggested in the last question, and it turns out that he still is acting the way he always acts and is still harsh with the kids. Maybe you're wrong. He doesn't really care about being a good dad. He just wants to be in control, right? He wants to get those kids to do right. what he wants. However, he gets it. As long as it works, it's fine with him, right? So it's not about being a good dad and teaching his kids. It's about being in control and winning. And that's a very different person. So going back to your mom, this would be the kind of thing that you could say to her. Mom, I have a problem. So now it's not, mom, you have a problem. <laughs> You're trying to tell me what to do and I don't like it. Mom, I have a problem. And all good moms, if she truly is a good mom, will care that her kid has a problem. Yeah. And I need your help with it. Okay, she's all about helping you. So you've, you've bought, gotten bought buy-in, she's buying it. Mom, I have a problem. I'm 32 years old and I'm really needing to fully assert myself as a grown-up now. I need to make my own decisions. I need to think for myself. I need to figure out what to do. And sometimes I find that you're anxious to help me in such a way that makes me feel like 
a little kid still. Like I need to listen to my mom instead of figuring out myself as a 32 year old woman. So my problem is, is that I need to just figure it out for myself. I need to figure out answers to my own life, to my own kids' problems, to my own marriage problems or whatever problem she's trying to solve for you. My, you know, how to clean my own house, whatever it is that she's telling you what to do. I need to figure that out for myself. And if I need your help, I value your advice. I will ask you because I do value your advice. But if I don't ask you, I need you to just let me figure it out. Will you be willing to do that? I can't imagine her saying no, right? I can't. No, but she might. No. She might be like, "Okay, fine. If you don't want my advice, if you don't want to hear what I have to say, fine." You know, she could. She might, and then you can yeah. say, she, "She could get her." And so you can say, "Mom, it sounds like you got your feelings hurt. I'm not saying you did anything wrong. I think you've been a good mom, and you're trying really hard to be a great mom. But I'm an adult now, and I've got to feel like I feel like an adult. I still feel like a little girl sometimes when we're." working together and you're telling me what to do. And so I need to feel like a grown up myself. And so I will ask you when I need your advice. And unless I ask you, I'm asking you to not try to fix anything for me anymore. Are you willing to do that? I'm not, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just telling you what I need. All right. If she says, okay, I will try to do that. I didn't understand how you were feeling. Okay, thanks, mom. Now she's not going to change, right? So now you've already given her, I have a problem. This is what we're going to do differently, mom. So the next time she starts telling you, hey, you need to wash these counters. They're filthy for whatever she tells you to say, mom, remember when we had that conversation that I needed to feel like a grown up? This is one of those times. If I need your advice about how to keep my home, I will ask you. This is my home and I need to feel like I decide what and when things get cleaned. You might be right. My counters are kind of dirty, but I want to figure that out. I don't want you to be telling me what to do. Can you do that? So you're going to have to catch her in the moment and remind her of this conversation. And see, this is where it's not just about her. It's about your growth of you. You're saying, I want to be a grown up. We'll start acting like one. Stick up for yourself. Start having boundaries, That's good. Yeah, you know, and so you have to start acting like the grown up you want to be. And hopefully she will respect that instead of still feeling like I need her to approve of me. And if she's mad at me now, I can't. Have, yes, you well, can. Yeah. And even letting her have her hurt feelings for a little while and letting her in and saying, hey, mom, I know that might hurt your feelings. I'm not saying you've done anything wrong. You haven't. You've just tried to help me. But I need to help myself now. I need to figure it out myself. Right. It's sort of like a two-year-old or a five-year-old who's saying, you're saying, no, you're putting your shirt on backwards. And they go, no, <laughs> right? Yes. They, they want to do it themselves. That's part of growing. And most moms back off and say, of course, even if you got a shirt with striped shirt and polka dot bottoms, you go do it. That's it. You'll figure it out that you don't look good after a while, right? And so moms usually get that. So maybe you've been a little bit too dependent. And so now as you start doing your work and growing and functioning as an adult 32-year-old woman, she will adjust herself to that. And I believe that she will, if you can do that with truth and grace. Um, so it requires you to do your part, not just her do her part. Leslie, we need you to pray for these women, for these conversations, for these relationships, because uh, it's going to take some courage. Lord, I do pray that women who are in these situations with toxic, hard, immature, imperfect people, which we all are, 
that we would not just see them as the problem, that we have something to learn from them, that they expose something in us too. That's why we have our own work to do and not be judgmental. That's why Jesus says, don't judge. It's not like they're the problem. We're the perfect one. We're not. We've got our own issues and our own growth. And so Lord, help us to be gracious. Help us to be working on the log in our own eye. Help us to know that they're exposing something in us that's needing maturing, just like we can expose something in them that needs maturing. And we can't make them do their work, but we can do our work, Lord. So I just pray that as women listen to this podcast or they listen to this information, that they would see that that um, it's not all about they're right, I'm wrong, or I'm right, they're wrong. It's about we both are wrong or we both are right and we both have work to do. And Lord, help us to be gracious and kind and curious with good boundaries. Help us to steward our lives and not expect someone else to do our work for us so that we don't feel any relational pain. And Father, I pray for these men who have not had good teaching on how to be good men and women who have not had good teaching about how to be good women and are still functioning as immature children. Paul talks about that a lot in the scriptures. Lord, that you would help us to want to grow up and that we would do our own work to do that even if someone else doesn't. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Relationship Truth Unfiltered. As a reminder, Leslie's Walking and Core Strength Group Coaching Program, it's only open for a short time. Friend, I want to encourage you to invest in yourself, in your relationship, and in your future. Go to leslievernick.com forward slash strength to sign up. That's leslievernick.com forward slash strength. Until next time, may God bless all of your relationships with Him with others, and with yourself.